listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Good morning again. I want to take uh, just a second and just tell you how grateful I am for our church board and just wonder if you might like to affirm the work they've been doing in these months. So thankful. Yeah. So, so thankful for them. So thank you, board members, for what you've been doing to, to lead us during this time. Have you ever been on a boat that was being battered by the wind and the waves? Yes. That is the most enthusiastic response I've heard in a long time. And I just want you to know that I have been too. I'm right there with you. A few years ago, our family went on vacation to Maine. And when the Taylor family goes on vacation, one of the things that we like to do is look for, look for things that we can't do in Lima, right? It's not very hard to find things. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can't do in Lima. There's a lot of restaurants that aren't in Lima. Amen, Dean. I hear you, brother. So we, we are always looking for an adventure. And while we were in Maine, we found an adventure. It was a whale watching tour. Now this was a summer vacation, but we were so far north and we were headed so far out into the ocean, uh, we actually ended up in Canadian waters that we actually had to kind of bundle up a little bit. We had our jeans and our hoodies on and we were ready to see some whales. Well, as the boat made its way out into the ocean waters to find these magnificent creatures, the wind and the waves started. Now it wasn't stormy, but it was windy and the waters, well, they were rough. They were really rough. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> the people who were in charge of this, this boat, you know, they live out here. They've, they've faced all the possibilities. They, and they have all kinds of ideas for people like me. Stare at the horizon, they said. <laughs> Drink this Sprite, they said. Try this Dramamine. Go to the front of the boat or the back of the boat or the middle of the boat. They had all of these great ideas. And do you know how much good that did me? Yeah. So our family experience was that Braden and I looked at the whales, which were really spectacular. And then we ran to the side of the boat and did what we needed to do. And then, you know, we came back and looked at the other wildlife. And then we ran to the side of the boat and did what we needed to do. I'll spare you the details. Yeah, yeah, chum in the water, that's right. There's just some, there's just some images we don't actually need, you know? It's trying to, uh, yeah, let's. I won't be going whale watching anymore. All right, and, and while that was honestly a pretty nice day, you know, the sun was out, I really felt like that boat was being beat up. It was being tossed about by the wind and the waves. And in the story we're gonna read today, the disciples are in a boat that is being tossed about. It's being battered by the wind and the waves. It might, that, that day for the disciples might have been even worse than the day in Maine. I doubt it, 
because it's hard for me to imagine anything worse than that. But it might have been even, even worse for the disciples that day. So today we continue in our series on Sunday school stories. And today is a story that I bet uh, even if you didn't grow up in Sunday school, even if, if church is relatively new to you, I bet you know this story, or at least you know of it. Today, we're gonna talk about the time Jesus walked on water. So before we read the passage, as I often try to do, I wanna set up the context just a little bit. And it's especially a, a appropriate to do that this week because this story takes place right on the heels of another one of the stories that we have discussed in the series already. And, and the timing of that is important. And I wanna tell you why. So remember with me, if you would, back to the very first week of this series, when Justin spoke on the two feeding miracles, the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000. And with the feeding of the 5,000, if you remember that message, you might remember that we learned just before that miracle took place, Jesus had learned some tragic news. He had learned that his cousin and his friend, his ministry partner, John the Baptist, had been killed. And if you remember when Justin taught us about that that day. He talked about how Jesus at, at that moment probably wanted to be alone. He probably wanted to grieve and to pray. And Jesus knew that he needed some time just with his father. But before he could take that time, a significant need presented itself. This large, hungry crowd was was right there in the moment. And in light of that need, in light of the hungry crowd, Jesus performed a significant miracle. He did something quite unbelievable. The, the verses that we're gonna start with today are the verses that immediately follow that miracle. So we're in Matthew 14, and uh, it'll be up on the screen here. We're gonna start with verse 22. This is what happened right after Jesus served a meal to all those thousands of people. Immediately, it says, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go to the other side. And Jesus dismissed the crowds. Do you see what's happened here? Jesus has sent everyone away so that he is alone. He's found a way to be alone. He tells the disciples to go on to the next stop ahead of him. He tells the crowd who just had their hunger satisfied and now probably wanna see what else this guy is capable of, right? I mean, he just did something with these fish and this bread that we couldn't have imagined and what else might he do? And Jesus says, it's time for the crowds to go home. And verse 23 says, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. So there's two things in this, in this context setting that I wanna talk about before we even get to the amazing miracle that takes place in the story we're gonna read in a little bit. First, Jesus knew he needed time alone with his father. He needed to be alone with God, to grieve, to mourn, and to pray. 
but he addressed the need he saw in front of him first. You know, there are times in preparing to preach that um, the conviction is a little heavier than others. And this was, this was a heavy week. These are hard things for us pastors to stand up here and confess and admit to you. But I have to tell you that there have been times in my life when I have seen a need right in front of me. And I have used the excuse that I needed to go spend time with God so that I didn't have to do anything about the need. I'm not proud of that. And, and I'm also not suggesting that you, you forego your devotion, your, your Bible reading, your prayer time. I, I'm not suggesting that you skip all that and go looking for needs. But I, I do have to wonder if there are times when I, when we neglect the hungry person right in front of us in order to go tend to our own needs. Jesus seems to show us in this passage that one of the most uh, true ways to engage in worshiping God is to serve the needs of others. There's a, a passage in the book of James that says, religion that is pure and genuine to God is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress. Jesus was living out his faith. He was putting his religion into practice when he fed that crowd, even though he had a need of his own. And so the first takeaway is while Jesus knew he needed time alone with God, he took care of the physical need he saw right in front of him first. And then the second thing that stands out is this, after he took care of that need, he remembered that he still needed the time with God. He still needed that time with his father. And so he sent the crowds away and he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Again, I don't like confessing these things to you, but I have to admit that in the, in the busyness of life, there are times when I run out the house in the morning in a big hurry before I take the time that I need to take with God. And on those days, do you know what I almost always do? I barrel through the day. I, I mark things off the to-do list. I go to all the meetings. I take care of all of the things that I know need to be done, but I don't stop and remember that I need that time with God. You know, if Jesus stopped and remembered that he needed that time with God, maybe I ought to pay attention to that. Jesus knew he needed time with his father, but he, he addressed a need that he saw in front of him, but he didn't forget when he was done with that need that he still needed that time with his father. And that leads us into this story that we're gonna share together today passage says, when evening came, he was there, Jesus on the mountain alone. But by this time, the boat battered by the waves was far from the land for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. No big deal. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately 
Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped Jesus saying, truly, you are the son of God. So here we've got a typical day in the life of Jesus, right? Couple of, couple of loaves of bread and a few fish and we'll feed thousands of people and then we'll go up on the mountain alone to pray and then we'll take a walk on water. Yeah, I mean, I, I love how matter-of-factly Matthew tells this story. Early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. It's like, hey, Matthew, maybe an exclamation point. I don't know. I don't think they had exclamation points in Greek, but I mean, this is a pretty, this is like really a big deal. He came walking toward them on the sea and, and as matter-of-factly as Matthew tells it, the disciples feel that not matter-of-factly about it. They're pretty sure that they're looking at a ghost out there on the water. Now they're already on edge because the wind is strong. They're worried about whether the boat is even gonna stay upright. And now they see this thing that they think is a ghost. And, and the man on the water says, don't worry. Don't be afraid. It's, it's me, it's Jesus. And, and Peter, wondering in the boat if that could really be Jesus, walking on water said, uh, prove it. If that's really you, then go ahead and invite me to walk on the water to you. And Jesus says, come ahead. Now, I love this. When I prepare to speak, when I'm um, thinking about these, when I'm reading scripture, thinking about these stories, I love to just picture it. I love to just picture what's actually happening. And I just have this image of Peter in the boat sitting on the edge, swinging his legs over to the side of the water and, and like looking back at the disciples, like, is this really gonna happen? Like, am I really gonna give this a shot? Somebody came up to me after first service and said, what Peter probably said was, here, hold my wine and watch this, <laughs> right? This is the, I mean, this is a really big thing that Peter is about to do. And I just picture what a, a strange dynamic is happening. And here's Peter who's been in the water. He's been on the water all of his life. He knows the water, he's familiar with it. I'm sure that Peter had jumped into the water many times, sometimes out of necessity to, to unsnag the net, sometimes because it was hot and he wanted to cool down. I mean, Peter had been in the water, but every time he had ever gotten out of the boat, he had gone into the water, like his body had gone down in the water. And this time his feet hit the water and instead of going in the water, they stayed on the water. I mean, that'll just kind of preach itself right there. There's a, a group of guys here who uh, pray together on Tuesday mornings at seven o'clock 
here in the sanctuary. And this is a shameless invitation for you to join us if you'd like. Um, every week, the, whoever's preaching that coming week always tries to be there for 7 a.m. prayer on Tuesday. And we talk about the passage that's coming. And as we, as we process this passage a little bit with the guys this week, one of them pointed out something that I had never really considered before. Because of the, the incredible nature of this story, I think every time I've pictured this story in my mind, I've pictured a, a calm, clear sea, like a sheet of glass, almost like a frozen lake. And by the way, that is how I walk on water, is I wait until it freezes, and then I found that it's a lot easier that way. But, but in my mind, for some reason, I've always pictured Jesus and Peter walking on a smooth, calm clear sea, but that's not the kind of sea they were in. Remember that the boat was being battered and tossed about by the wind and the waves. And so the water that they were walking on was rough. It was choppy. It was like the water in Maine that day. And as they were walking on the water, there would have been waves crashing around them, crashing at their feet. Peter already had a remarkable amount of faith to just be willing to get out of the boat. I mean, to be empowered by God with that kind of faith is already astonishing. And then when you consider what the weather was like, it makes me admire Peter's faith even more. We're gonna talk more about Peter and, and what we have to learn from him, but I wanna make one other observation first. You know, I think another, another maybe wrong idea that we have had about this passage is that it's really not that crazy that Jesus was walking on water because Jesus was divine. Jesus was God. This is what we believe about Jesus, that in this mysterious way that he was fully human and fully divine. It's just kind of a mystery that is hard for our human minds to grasp, but, but this is what we believe about Jesus. And so for Jesus to have walked on the water, in some ways it feels like, well, that's God walking on the water and God can do whatever he wants to do. He can, he can do anything. And so it's not that crazy for Jesus to have walked on the water, but the miracle of Jesus walking on the water in this passage I believe is not by his divine nature. Instead, I believe it is an ability that has been given to him by God. And I think the, the evidence for that is demonstrated in Peter's ability to walk on water too. Peter wasn't divine. We don't believe that Peter was 100% God. Peter was just like you and me. And he was empowered by God just like Jesus was to walk on the water. And Peter was walking on the water when the passage tells us that he noticed the strong wind and became frightened. And when he became frightened, he began to sink and he called out for Jesus to save him. And Jesus reached out his hand and saved him. And then he challenged him about his lack of faith. And then Peter and Jesus got into the boat. We don't know if they swam or walked back to the boat, but they got back into the boat. The storm calmed down and the disciples continued on their way.
Do you ever find it easy to see yourself in Peter? Peter has all of these wonderful traits that I hope are present in my life and I hope are growing in my life. Here, Peter is so courageous. I, I honestly don't know if I could do what Peter did. Now, based on the, the story about the whale watching, I definitely couldn't do what Peter did because while Peter was interacting with Jesus, I was leaning over the other side of the boat doing what, we won't say what I was doing, but somebody out there has, you know, has said. So, I, but, but even that notwithstanding, I'm not sure I could put my feet on the water, trusting that it would support me and I could walk toward Jesus. But Peter did, he believed, he had faith. And I hope my faith is becoming a faith that is capable of such obedience, such courage that Peter showed. And yet, even with that courage, Peter got out onto the water and then became frightened by the strong wind. Often the circumstances we face in life feel just like this, don't they? They feel like wind and waves crashing around us filling our boat with water, knocking us off the path that we're trying to walk. In this passage, it, it seems like if there hadn't been any wind or waves, Peter might've made it all the way to where he was headed. He doesn't start to sink until he shifts his focus from Jesus to the circumstances around him. And I see Peter in a moment like the hat and I think, there I am again. I want to get out of the boat. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus, but so often the circumstances of life distract me. I think in our lives, the waves hit us and the wind blows us over and it just becomes all too easy to take our eyes off of Jesus. And when we take our eyes off of Jesus, just like Peter, we start to sink. And in this passage, Peter, who became the rock on which Jesus would build the church, Peter shows us a human being struggling between faith and doubt. And I think we can take some level of comfort in Peter's story because are we not just human beings struggling between faith and doubt? And I think even in the midst of being comforted by uh, our relation to Peter, we also have to remember that Jesus challenged him. Jesus said, why didn't you have enough faith? I think Jesus understands when we have doubts. He understands that doubts will come, but I think that Jesus is standing with us in every circumstance, beckoning us to come to him, imploring us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, fixed on him. You know, we talk a lot about holiness here at Lima Community Church. We're part of the Church of the Nazarene. Holiness is 
uh, is who we are. It's one of the three core values of our denomination. What we believe about our relationship with Jesus is that as we grow in that relationship, we are to become holy. We become more like him. We grow in Christ-likeness and in obedience. And I want to talk to you today about what I think holiness looks like in light of this story. I think if we are becoming holy, then the next time there is a storm, if, if in the previous storm, you just weren't willing to get out of the boat, if we're becoming holy, the next time there's a storm, we're gonna swing our legs over the side of that boat and put our feet on the water. And, and if you're at that point in your faith, where you're able to go ahead and swing your feet over the side of the boat and believe something as crazy as that water can support you, if that's where you're at, then becoming holy means that you make it a little farther toward Jesus before you notice the circumstances again, before you become fearful because of the wind and the waves crashing around you. I think that's what holiness looks like right here. I think if the exact same story had happened a year later, Peter would have got out of the boat and walked maybe a few more steps before he realized, hey, this is scary. That's what holiness is. Holiness is when our faith grows so that there's more space between our times of doubt. And that's what happened to Peter here. And that's what can happen to us. If you're here today and you've got doubts, you're in good company. You're in company with the rock of the church, with Peter, who had doubts. And if that's us, and in some sense, I know that that's all of us, if that's us wrestling between our faith and our doubt, wherever you might be on that spectrum, it seems to me that the invitation Jesus is making to us is just come ahead, get out of the boat. <laughs> you can do it empowered by God, like Peter was, like Jesus was, you can do it. For our time of response today, we're gonna open the altars. And I, I just wonder if there's anybody here who might be in the middle of a storm and might feel like you're sinking. I wonder if there might be somebody who just needs to get out of the proverbial boat. Maybe, maybe you're seated in, in the boat, knowing Jesus has invited you, has called you to come. And the boat is just too safe. It's the, it's the place where you're protected from the wind and the waves, and so you just haven't been willing to take that step. If there's anybody like that here today, I wanna invite you, like Jesus did, to come. And so I wanna invite you to stand now. And as you stand with me, I wanna point out this one last thing in this passage. When Peter became afraid, and when Peter knew that he was in trouble, you know what he did? He cried out for Jesus to save him. And did you see what happened in the passage? The passage says that Jesus 
immediately reached out his hand, caught him, saved him. Immediately. And so if you're here today and you're afraid and you feel the wind and the waves and you think that maybe you're sinking as the circumstances of life crash in around you, if you are lost and in trouble and your eyes are not on Jesus, if you cry out to him, he will immediately reach his hand out to you. That is our Jesus. He will reach his hand out to you and he will save you. And so today, if you just need to get out of the boat, if you feel like you're in the middle of a storm, if you need to say to Jesus, save me, I wanna invite you to bow your heads and just to come to the altar and to spend time uh, inviting Jesus to do what he needs to do in your life. We're just gonna give you a minute to come. Father, we have, uh, we have learned from you today. We've grown closer to you today. I think back to the things that I learned and, and the ways that I grew closer to you as we sang today. As we sang that you are the way maker. As we sang that, that all of our glory is to you, God, forever we sang of our great need for you. God, we, um, we recognize today that there have just been times when we have wanted to stay in the boat. I can, I can acknowledge it so easily in my own life. Times when the boat felt safe and sheltered from all of the potential risk that was out there. But Jesus, you were out there and you asked me to come. And if I didn't come, then I was disobedient. And so God, I pray for, for my own heart and for the lives of these people, these people that are gathered here today, this local manifestation of the body of Christ. God, I pray that you would give us courage like Peter that when you are out there asking us to come, that we would just swing our legs over the side of the boat and believe that when we put our feet on the water, it will hold us up. Give us faith that's bigger than what we can imagine. Help us to believe that when you ask us to do something that is crazy, we might be bold enough and courageous enough and we might believe in you enough to get out of the boat. 
God, I know that there are people here who feel like the storm of life is upon them, who feel tossed and beaten and battered. God, for those, I pray that you would, you would almost reach out your hand and take their chin and gently as you do, turn it toward yourself that our eyes may be fixed on you, not on all of the what ifs and the possibilities and not all the circumstances that may scare us, but on you, Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Help us, we pray. Grow our faith, make us more holy. Stretch out the times between our times of doubt, we pray, that there may be a time when we would get out of the boat and walk on the water all the way to where you've called us. Lord, we love you. Thanks for how you speak to us. Thanks for how you invite us. Thanks for how you gently challenge us when our faith isn't enough. Thank you for meeting here with your people today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as we prepare to go, I want to just share my prayer with you for us this week. I pray this week that each one of us would have an encounter with God where it seems that he is asking us to do what is impossible. It was impossible for Peter to walk on the water, but not with God. And this week, I pray that God would ask me to do something that seems impossible and that I would be obedient and courageous enough to get out of the boat and to fix my eyes on Jesus and to do it. And I pray that for you too. God bless you as you go this week. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.